Welcome to the SAS Podcast, where we discuss all things science and spirituality and how it pertains to the subconscious mind. And of course, we add in a little bit of SAS. I'm Katie Kowaleski. I will be your host during this podcast, and I will be featuring stories about my own life, including the tools that I use to overcome my own adversity, as well as featuring some amazing stories from some interesting guests. Stay tuned and welcome to SAS. And we're back again. We have a lot of travel things to fill um, you in on, starting with Bozeman, I think. I think the last time we checked in was in Yellowstone. So we have been on the road officially for almost two and a half weeks. And um, after we left Yellowstone, we made our way to Bozeman, which is the cutest, I think, a quintessential Montana town. Um, it's somewhere I would definitely go back to and visit and spend time there. It has everything you basically need. So, but with a small town feel, there's a really cute historic district with awesome shops and restaurants. Um, everybody's super, super friendly. It's, it's lovely. So that's still on, um, Derek's list of places that he would entertain possibly living at because it's, it's really cute. Anything you'd like to add on that? He's shaking his head no. And then from Bozeman, we went to Missoula, Montana, um, which was... How many hours away was Bozeman? I think it was like three hours. Okay. So, and that has a college there in Missoula, and it's a, definitely a bigger town, but sort of also had that small townish feel to it. Um, we also really enjoyed that. And the great thing about Bozeman and Missoula is that the, you can always see mountains around you. So the, the views are always really, really pretty. Um, we stayed in a really cute Airbnb there, um, in Missoula and, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's another place I would, I would probably go back to, too. It was, it was really easy to get around. It, the scenery was really pretty, um, had the best, oddly enough, sushi that I've ever had, um, at a restaurant there. Um, Derek walked like the entire city basically, um, but it's walkable. It feels very safe, um. And to backtrack a little bit, when we were in Bozeman, we stayed at the cutest motel in the world. It's called RSVP. Um, it is adorable. So if you're ever in that area, check that out. Um, and then from Missoula, we had another really long driving day and went to Mount Shasta. Um, and we're really curious about Mount Shasta because I've read a lot about how, you know, it's one of the chakras of the earth. It's a, the root chakra of the earth. It has a lot of deep history there and a lot of... should I say like folklore kind of about different experiences, sort of mystical experiences people have while they are, um, in Mount Shasta. So we went in, you know, anticipating that we would probably see aliens (laughs) where we hoped. Um, and we're really open to any sort of interesting experiences that came our way. We didn't have any, (laughs) we didn't see any aliens, nothing mystical happened. But Mount Shasta itself is a really, really cute mountain town. Um, Some of the creepiest towns I've ever seen, we witnessed on our way in. We didn't come in sort of off of um, the major highways. We ended up on this sort of, we went through a valley and we went through all of these tiny towns and they were, some of them were really kind of scary. Um, But when we got to Mount Shasta, It was super cute, super welcoming. You can walk the whole town very easily. 
Um, and some of the, the waterfalls and different mountainous areas that you can go to are just gorgeous. So there was still a lot of snow up in the mountain when we drove up in there. Again, we didn't see any aliens, but we saw one of like the most densely packed tree systems that we had seen so far. And a lot of those trees were huge, um, and some very skinny. And if you looked at them quickly enough or in the right light, they would look like tall green men. And so it's my theory that people think they see aliens there, not to discredit anybody who has, because of what some of the visuals can look like and how they can be a little bit misleading. Um, because it, it basically is one giant root system, which makes sense why it's known as the root chakra. So it was turned out to be like the best night of sleep that we had was in Mount Shasta. Um, when you're around a lot of trees and in nature, it obviously has a really grounding, soothing, calming energy. And I think we definitely felt that. So I think people have different kinds of experiences there. Um, we did not end up having any of those experiences, but we, we both really enjoyed being there again. It was beautiful and the people were incredibly friendly. Um, a friend of mine said, you know, just, just walk outside and you're going to have the experience you're meant to have there. And that's what I did one morning. And within five minutes I had made a handful of new friends, two of whom, um, live in Victoria and British Columbia. And we're going to go see them, um, in a few days. They are, a really cute couple that are probably in their late fifties, early sixties. Um, they've lived on, I guess it's Vancouver Island, um, their whole lives and know the area really well. Um, so we're going to, they're going to be our tour guides. So it was really, really great. And again, the people were, were super friendly. It felt like it sort of felt like an intimate, um, maybe like twin peaks, even though I haven't actually watched that show, but sort of twin peaks esque in that, you know, we sat, um, at this cute little bar and had a beer listen to this guy play guitar and he he and his friends were all just heckling each other and they like kind of just bring you into the conversation um, it felt really homey and cozy like you were walking onto a, a set where everybody knows your name kind of thing I guess that would be cheers but whatever you get the idea very welcoming we spent two nights there and then we made our way to Portland um and we arrived in Portland our first two days the weather was bright and sunny um, and we were staying over the bridge, so not directly in the downtown, but it's considered part of that downtown area. Um, and this cute little basement Airbnb. Um, and it was like spring had sprung. Like all the grass was bright green. Driving into Portland, there's so many trees um, and so much greenery, even in the city, that it's just, it's beautiful. So there was, you know, outside of our... Airbnb walking in the street there's rose bushes and they're all full in bloom and these just walls of flowers and people's yards and the great northern grass if you know you know if you don't know go north in the summer and plant your feet in that grass that it is the grass so we kind of walked around in a little bit of like a oh my god everything's perfect here it's so beautiful and the neighborhood was really large like the area that we were staying in it was called Laurel Laurelhurst Laurelhurst um, and we could walk to some really cute, like little taverns and restaurants. They have an array of different sort of like food truck areas. And we stopped at one and those were sprinkled throughout the area and the, and that's part of the city too. Um, and so at first it was like, Oh my God. And it, it went right to the top of Derek's list. And then it got cloudy. <laughs> the light changed and everything that seemed a little cute and hipster became a little bit more like darker and emo, but on top of that, you know, there is, 
we didn't do a ton of research into the city. We're not really doing that before we go. We just want to have kind of a unique experience. But I, I do research places to stay and read all the reviews thoroughly and make sure it's a safe area. That's something that I, I do do. Um, we knew and know that there has become an increasingly significant homeless issue in, in that area. And that was very prevalent. Um, in the area that we stayed, not as much, but it's still sprinkled in there. Um, and you, you, it's, there's a, a level of, of just sort of sadness because of that, that's sort of in the energy there. And, and not to mention, you know, uh, danger, um, across the street in, in broad daylight from one of the, um, kind of restaurant areas we were at, there was a, a woman sharpening a, a large knife, um, on a light pole, um, and that was kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. We, it both, it caught our attention. It just reminds you that you really need to be vigilant wherever you are. So we didn't actually go out anywhere after dark ever. Derek took a walk one night, but after the, the knife incident, not anymore. Um, and so that, you know, that's always kind of on your mind. And then, um, it's, there's definitely a, a, a sadness to the city um, and then while, when we started to, to really become emerged in that, I, you know, did some research and talked to some locals and basically, you know, the last three years for them has been really difficult and the increasing levels of, of homelessness and of crime have just skyrocketed. And, um, it's sad. I definitely didn't and wouldn't feel safe walking around their downtown alone. I definitely wouldn't feel safe walking around their downtown with someone at night. It's just not just doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel good. So by day four, it was still cloudy and it definitely (laughs) gave, gave clarity that Portland was not on the top of Derek's list anymore. I would give it a six out of 10, you know, and I think we hit the time of year perfectly for all of the greenery and lightness. I spoke with somebody who lives there and she basically said, if you come in August or September, the heat has gotten so high that the grass and all the greenery is dead and burned and it's dry and it's not beautiful anymore. And then it gets cold. So she was also a little bit, um, bitter. She wasn't really a fan of living there in general, but, um, if we took away some of that greenery and that those, this, you know, the colorfulness of the city, like, I don't know that we would have even been so, uh, in awe of the neighborhood we were at, but if you're headed to Portland, I would recommend not staying right in that downtown, downtown, um, skyscraper sort of vicinity. And Derek here educated me on Portland. It's land of ports. Apparently, it was one of the biggest ports was it in the world at one time, or in the country, in the world, in the country. It was big. It still is big. It's it's a huge port. There's so many bridges and and sort of has an industrial feel to it as well. Um, but apparently, there was back in the day, you know, hundred plus years ago, tons of piracy, tons of crime. It was a dangerous place to be. You know, and I, I obviously believe in like energetics and the way th- I, I lean into the way things feel and trust that more than anything else. And it still has that energy. A, a city is alive, right? It has its own sort of vibration. It has its own energy. Its history will deeply influence the way that it feels. Um, and it totally has that. You, It has, it has piracy vibes <laughs> for sure. Um, So that was kind of the feeling that Portland left us with. You know, I don't know that I would ever go back unless I had a specific reason to be there. And again, if you're going, um, try to stay in the area that we stayed in in Laura Horse because it was, it was really, really cute. Um, and you definitely want to be in a safe area, but it personally wasn't my vibe. 
it was kind of emo-y. I'm not, not so emo. Um, I like things that are a little bit brighter and cheerier. And if I spent extensive time there, you know that I would be trying to spearhead so many, um, homelessness initiatives and help all the people. So that was Portland. We are currently on our way to Ocean Shores, Washington, which is right on the coast of Washington. We're only spending one night here. So this afternoon we're going to explore what that area has to offer. And then tomorrow we'll travel up the whole coast. So from Ocean Shore to Forks, Washington, which is where Twilight was filmed. So if you've seen any of those Twilight movies, um, regardless of how cheesy and ridiculous they were, some of that scenery was absolutely magical. And so we're really looking forward to seeing those cliffs and just basking in that after spending five days in the city, even though it was so green, just being back out in nature and seeing those cliffs again, um, today on our drive and stuff has been really, really nice. Um, and then from there, we will circle around all the way into, uh, Olympic National Forest. So we're looking forward to seeing some giant trees and, and giving and hugging them. We're going to, we'll be hugging the trees. Um, and then we're going to land in Seattle tomorrow night and we'll spend three, three days there at a really cute Airbnb that donates 20% of 20% of its proceeds to, um, a foundation for animals and pets whose owners can't, um, or who need help or support in paying their vet bills when their dog is, has cancer and those types of issues. And I love that because if you know me, you know, my old girl, Lucy had some extensive medical problems and I called her my million dollar baby. Um, but I, I love the concept of them donating some of that money because they had, um, a great Pyrenees who I guess just recently passed away from cancer and she looked adorable. Um, so we're looking forward to staying there and visiting with one of my dear friends from middle and high school. I think I've known him since I was 10, Theo. He's always up for, um, a fantastic, got cut off there. Um, but we're going to be seeing him and hanging out and seeing some of the sites in Seattle for three days um, before we head into Canada um, and Vancouver and Victoria and all of those things. And then we'll be on our Canadian portion of the trip for a couple weeks. Um, so really excited to share those things. And as kind of a segue, um, we overheard, I overheard, did you ever hear that conversation in Missoula with the girls talking about... Okay. So when we were in Missoula, there was three women that were probably in their early thirties having a conversation and they were talking about one of their friends who is in a relationship with someone who has, I guess what I would describe as quite a bit of baggage. Um, and they were talking about the different aspects of that baggage and what those things were. Um, and there was a lot of like, Oh, this and that and this, and it just kept getting listed. And list went on and one of the girls said um do we love this for her and the other girls were like no we do not love this for her and then the other girl the third said but are we concerned for her or about her and they all kind of paused and then we're like no we're not concerned and then they kind of just shifted on with the topic and I found that really really interesting um because I feel like crosstalk amongst friends is normal. I, I think that there's a certain level of people wanting to understand other people and being interested in their behavior and what's happening. And we can call that like gossiping or spilling the tea or whatever, but there's different levels 
to doing that, right? And I really liked the way they did that. They were sharing how they each felt, essentially what their judgments and opinions were of their friend's life and her choices, um, knowing that they don't love that for her. That's not the trajectory they want to see her on because they want the best for her. But they also knew that there was no present danger or potential danger from it. It was just stuff that they knew would probably make her life a little bit harder and more stressful, i.e. like him having... I think his, his mom lives with them. I think there was some other, just other extraneous things, but it wasn't anything that was, you know, clear and present or potentially dangerous. Um, and so I really liked the running of that filter. Do we love this for her? No. Are we concerned about her or for her or is there potential harm or danger here? No. Um, and then they can move on. And so I think something that, you know, I've been thinking about a lot lately is the difference between having an opinion, not loving something for someone and knowing that there's potential for harm there, um, and needing to speak up because of it in case that person happens to have a blind spot when it comes to the thing. Um, we can often say, well, so-and-so should know better, or they do know better, or they probably are already aware of that. But I, I think it's always important if you think there could be potential harm or distress, um, saying something, you'd never know how the seed that you plant is going to impact somebody, whether it just helps them remember that people care about them and they're not alone in this. They're not walking alone on a path, but you have other people around you who also have eyes out, who also have eyes on you and your path and are willing to say, Hey, there's a potential pothole coming up. I just wanted to give you a heads up in case you didn't see it. Um, I think that's really important. And I think it's something that is really important to me in, in my relationships Um, and I think if we need to put boundaries down when someone says, yes, I was aware or I am aware that this, um, pothole is coming up and I'm choosing to, um, walk right into it, um, being there a, to support them, but also knowing that if someone has a continued path where they're actively creating more and more distress in their lives or making choices that are, um, that have the potential to be harmful or hurtful to themselves or other people, there's nothing wrong with putting down some boundaries. So you you never have to, I think a lot of people are afraid to open up a can of worms when they say, Hey, I noticed X, Y, Z happening. And I have concern because one, if you're codependent, you'll probably take on some sort of role where you're now actively part of their, uh, inner world or their quote unquote drama. Um, or two, you know, you might have to just go along to get along and go along with whatever. And I don't think that's the case. So um, sort of a side note, but this is also leading into that. Um, you don't have to, in a friendship to be supportive, normalize anything that isn't healthy. Um, you don't have to normalize someone's choices that you know are not good for them and that don't feel good to be around or don't feel good to hear about. It is okay to put down boundaries in relationships and say, I understand that this is your life and your choices are your own. Here are concerns I have based on the information that you've given me about the things that you're doing or the things that may be happening. And that person obviously is free to continue doing those things. Um, And if they do, and again, there's potential harm or concern there, it's okay to say, I prefer not discussing this topic with you. It is okay to do that. Um, And or it's always worth bringing up. Like it is always worth bringing up um, flags that you have or concern that you might have. 
and you can do it again in a way that doesn't necessarily need to be judgmental or on your high horse or all of those things. But, um, we're all here and all have sort of different gifts and aspects and ways of seeing things. And part of, I think, feeling comfortable sharing, um, reflections with people, uh, is knowing that our, our wisdom and the things that we see and witness and, and, and acknowledge in other people has value. Um, what you intuit and what you feel and what you think has value. And if nowhere else, that value should be very palpable in your relationships. If you have close relationships with people and you don't feel comfortable sharing things with them, intuitions that you have, feelings that you have, really an equitable relationship that's built on trust, is it? And again, that doesn't mean you're giving harsh critical judgment on every single decision that they make unless they're like open to that and they want a lot of feedback. But when you've flipped a situation around, hung it upside down, looked at it seven ways to Sunday and have, have what feels like valid concern about somebody, I think it's always worth speaking up. Um, and if your fear of their response outweighs your ability to, to stand up and say, here's what I'm seeing and here's what I think about this, then you might want to rethink your dynamic with that person, you know, and while confrontation and those crucial conversations are not always easy, they're definitely skill sets that you can bolster and that you can learn to have. But a barometer of a healthy relationship can be measured by how comfortable you are approaching someone you're in a relationship with or a relationship to about concerns that you have. Uh, and potential blind spots they may have um, in a given scenario that causes concern. It's not just we don't love that for you. It's like there's a concern here. There's a potential that this might um, really negatively impact them or there might be danger of some kind um, or there could be. Um, And so just take that like with kind of a grain of salt and think like, are we just spilling tea here and like aimlessly gossiping? Um, Do we just not love that for that person or is there a concern And then, yes, there is a concern. Um, Are we going to say something about it? If the answer is no, then you really need to think about the standards uh, that you have in in the relationships that you're in, you know? And then you need to challenge yourself. Well, it's a me issue if I'm just afraid about other response. And then do the work necessary to beef up and build that skill set of having those crucial conversations. Um, it's, I think it's imperative, in my opinion. You need to be able to have crucial conversations with people and do them often enough until you feel at ease with it. Um, that's the only way you're going to end up having really authentic, growth-oriented relationships with, people, with anyone, really. Um, so that's sort of just a side note to think about when it comes to relationships and crucial conversations and confrontation and those types of things. But again, your ease and willingness to have crucial conversations with the people around you Um, is a pretty good barometer for the trust in those relationships. Um, So I would love to hear people's thoughts on that. Um, And if you're looking for support or help with having those crucial conversations, um, reach out and let me know. Um, I have some openings for one-on-ones in the coming weeks, as well as a six-week class around mastering the art of confrontation that's coming up next month. So I hope everyone is having an amazing week and we will see you next time. I'm Katie Kowalski, and you've been listening to the SAS podcast. If you enjoyed today's ride, please leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.